Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. This week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we talk about the opening weekend for Gemini Man, as well as The Addams Family, Jexy, Parasite, Little Monsters, and El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. So this week's top five is Let Again by Choker with 55 million domestically, followed by the Adams Family opening up at 30.29 million, followed by Gemini Man in the number three spot with 20.5 million, Abominable in the number four spot at 6.1 million, and Downton Abbey in the number five spot rounding out the top five with 4.9 million. So Joker only had a 42.8, almost 43% drop, which is pretty solid, just considering it is a rated R movie and considering it hasn't been just the best received. I would say overall it's it's had positive reactions, but they're still pretty mixed at that. I've seen a lot of like, yeah, Joker's the best thing ever, but I don't think everybody's that way. I think it's <laughs> a very vocal minority, uh, but it's it's still impressive. I mean... 55 million in your second week is an R-rated um, indie-ish, uh, just in the sense that it's not a very traditional superhero movie. Um, this is, I mean, it's impressive. That That's it. Yeah, it's doing really well. It's actually, I'm actually really surprised that it's doing this well in its second week. Because when I saw it, I mean, I, I thought the curiosity factor of all like, the discussion around it and just all these different things was going to propel Joker to a really high opening and then maybe pretty large a large drop off from there because it's just it's just a bummer of a movie like there's there's like one joke in it and i think it's like fairly poorly timed uh, so i just expected like a 60 plus percent drop but hey good for joker i'll eat i'll eat my words on that one it's doing really well and we live in a world where uh, a standalone joker movie is going to gross more domestically and maybe probably actually probably worldwide than a justice league movie uh which is really funny to me um, that just kind of just shows how, just how no one really liked Justice League, and that movie was just kind of doomed from the second that they started rewriting the script and all that stuff. So, uh, really interesting for Joker there. Um, but so we're in this time now where it's like, all right, so how well is this movie going to do? So it's sitting at over 500 million worldwide, and it's just doing crazy business. Um, so it's it's open to everywhere. Uh, but the one interesting uh, little piece to all of this is that it hasn't had a Chinese release yet and there's nothing on the docket as of yet. So um, it's interesting there because we'll kind of see I mean, it, just like the, the top end of what Joker can do kind of depends on that, right? Because China is obviously is turning into one of the biggest uh, re- areas of release for big companies like Warner Brothers and, every, and for everyone else. But um, as we know, China has very interesting uh, – ways in which they they have a really interesting uh board uh for that decides what movies can be shown in china and which can't um so i'm curious i if joker even has a shot to be released in china considering it's pretty it's very r-rated and a lot of violence and there's a little bit of nudity in there and and there's just one i went i went down a um a really, I went down a whole a rabbit hole uh, when I was reviewing this. I was like, okay, what what is the possibility of Joker getting a release there? And it seems like it's the board uh, has very just weird rules. So um, one of the weirdest uh, movies that 
that was banned from China was uh, Christopher Robin <laughs> last year, <laughs> which is just like, what is that? So apparently, uh, I had never known this before, but uh, Chinese bloggers were comparing the uh, Xi uh, Jinping, who's the People's President, uh, the President of People's Republic of China. Uh, he was. They were comparing Winnie the Pooh to him, to him, just because they look similarly, which is really funny. Um, so by the power of memes, uh, China was like, "No, we will not. We will, we will have no Winnie the Pooh in our country." <laughs> <laughs> so that's what does that mean? So all this is to say that the Chinese board and what they allow is just very strange. Um, they have their they have rules about violence and nudity and just subject matter in general. Um, but it seems like it's on a case by case basis and it's kind of arbitrary. So uh, very interesting. I really don't know what the, what kind of is possible there. We'll just kind of have to wait and see that if it's, if uh, news comes along and says, Hey, we got Joker has a Chinese release. Cause I have no idea of deciding when or not, when or not this is actually going to be a thing. So um, yeah, all in all Joker really, really solid. Um, and you really can't complain whatsoever. Yeah, and I think Brennan was the most optimistic on just how well it would perform overall. Um, I definitely still think it's going to be pretty top-heavy, especially with its struggles getting into China, because um, China is just a huge box office market. Um, like China is what makes Endgame the biggest movie ever. It like it, It's really what carries these big movies uh, after their first initial weeks. And so I'm... I mean, it's made a ton of money, so it's like it's it's already a huge success and just ridiculously successful at this point. Um, but I think it's going to slow down quite a bit, especially as it struggles to get into China and as some of the momentum dies off stateside. But it is still making ridiculous money. It is only about 115 million behind Justice League, uh, which is just crazy because it figured Justice League features, I mean, the three most iconic. Comic book characters probably ever, and is is barely going to beat <laughs> Joker after the second week. Um, so it's just Joker's a phenomenal success. It's going to continue making money. I think it's the right approach for DC. I'm I'm glad to see them actually trying new stuff to really pay off and be rewarded with it instead of just shoehorning more Justice League into the mix. And so I'm. I'm glad that even though I don't think it's you know necessarily as great as the world seems to think, it's still kind of proving that DC is right to go in a different direction and at least try something interesting. Yeah, and we're, I think the, the main barometer about, about how Joker's legs um, moving forward will be next week because uh, we looked at this week and you have the Addams Family coming out and Gemini Man, which those two movies really aren't going to go head-to-head with the type of audience that's going to attract Joker. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of movies next week. So that'll be uh, really interesting to kind of see how that, change, how that changes from there. But, yeah, this Joker is a really big deal. And I think its success is going to be a really solid uh, platform for Warner Brothers to push this movie come awards time. Um, basically, it seems like uh, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, probably a shoe in to get a nomination in the Best Actor category. Um, that just kind of seems like that's that's going to happen, and they're going to push really hard. Um, as far as everything else, uh, we'll see there, obviously. Uh, it's very early you know, in this process to make any declarations. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I think this movie, we're going to be talking about this movie for quite some time because Warner Brothers is definitely, I mean, they premiered it at the Venice Film Festival and that was a sign that they wanted to do something different with this movie and not just make it a huge um, box office hit. They want to do something more with it and turn it into an awards uh, contender. So yeah, it's, this is only the beginning. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to talk talk and litigate Joker for until next February or whenever the Academy Awards is. We're, we are just beginning there. Yeah, and I think it was smart for Warner Brothers to release this um, ahead of the Oscars curve. So normally your Oscar y movies will start coming out late October, November-ish. And so they got you know a full month almost ahead of most of the competition. Most of the more serious stuff that's going to be opening up um, that's starting to release in a limited theater count now and will be making its wide release over the next couple of weeks. And so it's it's definitely going to help carry them just through word of mouth and the uh, box office returns aren't going to hurt much either. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting how we're starting to see Hollywood use that first weekend in October as like the first – it's like the – it's like planting the first flag in term and for um, for Oscar season. So last year we had a Star is Born, which premiered on that date, which turned into a really big deal, obviously. And then the year before that was Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which wasn't as successful, uh, but obviously it still had those ideas in mind. And it was and it was, and it was a it was a very it was a high, highly anticipated release. So people are using this date to kind of say like, here here's what we have. This is going to be this is Maybe not a temple, but it's certainly a a very like solid project with a lot behind it. Um, so yeah, it seems like Joker is really uh, kind of just building off of that success, right? Because it's like it's kind of like the opening salvo because we don't really have anything else yet, and things are starting to circle in. But we have that what is that the, the re- primacy recency thing where <laughs> I for, I've probably butchered the idea of that, but it's basically the idea of you remember. The first, the first and last thing in some sort of, in some sort of either a movie or whatever. So you have kind of the beginning of October as your, as the start of the award season. So you have a big movie like Joker opening. Uh, so maybe that, maybe this kind of, um, this this pop this popularity that it's had really just keeps going for the next few months. It's it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, it's definitely going to be. And we, we talked about this with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, this is a movie that's going to keep popping back up. Um, it's it's not going away anywhere. I mean, it's a superhero movie, so the internet will be talking about it for a while. And I'm sure award season will keep it pretty relevant. It's not always going to be at the forefront, but it's going to be just kind of hanging around the surface. Yeah, it's going to be in the top five for quite some time, right around there. It'll be lurking, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so... With that being said, we will move on from Joker for now and go to the Adams Family. A little snaps there, just in case. And uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> so. This is the third Adams Family movie, but it's the animated reboot, and it grossed a little bit over thirty million this past weekend, and it's got about a forty million dollar budget. So it's not doing just too shabbily. I'm um, not just doing any super business, um, but it is still making, uh, it's making some money um, <laughs> and it has yet to really open overseas. Um, but it is, I mean, it, it doesn't really have just a ton of animated competition yet. 
Uh, we'll come up into Frozen 2 next month, but it is also a Halloween movie, so that'll help carry it through the rest of this month, especially as we get through the last week of October. Yeah, though, it'll have, it has a couple weeks before the juggernaut Arctic Dogs uh, comes to theaters, <laughs> um, which is the next animated movie. Um, I just I still can't believe that's a thing. Um, but anyway, uh, Adam's, Adam's Family, it's, it's a really solid start for this kind of movie. Um, and just to give a little background on the business side of things, this movie was really is uh, distributed by United Artists Releasing, uh, which is a pretty new company. All things considered, it opened at the end of 2017, and it's been kind of it's been working with uh, and distributing MGM films and Annapurna films. So um, obviously, those two uh, production houses have kind of fallen on hard times in recent years. Um, the MGM debacle has kind of been just very it's just been very out out and open just how badly they've been doing and how much they've been struggling um but so it's all to say that United artist releases really they really needed this kind of opening from the adams family because they've been just distributing annapurna and mgm movies which have not been doing well at all um so it's just a really good sign for them as they are maturing as a company and they continue to move forward so um, this movie is also distributed by Universal uh, worldwide, everywhere outside of uh, North America. So they'll kind of have to rely on the uh, the box office uh, in the states. Uh, but yeah, it's that's a really solid start. You really can't complain. Forty million dollar budget. I'm um, actually really impressive that for an animated movie to keep the budget that low. Um, but yeah, Adam's Family. It's really really solid start. And I I can imagine this movie will definitely have pretty decent legs over the next two weeks leading up to Halloween. I mean, obviously, obviously, reviews weren't very good, uh, so that might put a little bit of a damper on it. But I, I see this movie being a really tidy little hit, uh, all things considered. Yeah, and I think it's a really unique example of live action going into animation because we've seen a lot of the exact opposite coming out of Disney. Uh, but it, like, I think it really fits for the Adams family. Like, it's something that was created at a time when you you couldn't do just a ton of kind of the monstery <laughs> motif in live action and so just really putting it in an animated world you can bend the rules and make this family pop a lot more which i think was a good decision and i think if we had seen you know a live action remake again i don't think we'd be seeing numbers this strong i think making it animated was definitely the right step to go in yeah i from the moment i saw the trailer when i heard the news about this movie i thought that was a really just a brilliant idea because it's, it's the adams family they're all about the macabre and there's always been like these little kooky things to it that have at least stayed in people's minds like that finger snap and just other little funny things so that really lends itself to animation um and it seems like that paid off because the trailers were really fun and zany and kind of just weird um, and maybe that brought that brought a lot of people into the theater it's doing really solidly and i just just to kind of underscore what i was mentioning before about united united artists releasing um so their 2019 has been uh very spotty um Maybe not necessarily in the maybe not necessarily in terms of the the quality of the movies, but definitely in terms of uh, just their their box office success. So their first film of the year was Fighting with My Family back in February, which was a pretty good movie. I, I actually quite liked that a lot. It was a tidy little hit, so we can't complain too much about that one. But then after that was uh, Missing Link from Annapurna, uh, uh, co-produced through Leica, uh, which really struggled at the box office. Then after that was The Hustle. Um, Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson, which is currently uh, within 
it's definitely within striking distance to become uh, one of my least favorite movies of the year. Uh, that movie's terrible. Uh, and then after that, we had Booksmart, which has been well documented uh, documented as just like a terrible marketing fiasco where it should have been a really big hit and really wasn't. Uh, it still made a little bit of money, but they, left, they, they definitely left a lot on the table there. And after that was Child's Play, which didn't quite do as well as they would have hoped. And then after that was uh, Richard Linklater's uh, Where'd You Go, Bernadette, uh, which really struggled during production. Many had a ton of uh, release dates, uh, pushbacks and delays and everything. It was just a kind of a, just a production nightmare. Uh, so yeah, Adam's family comes at the right time for this movie. It's the last movie they'll be releasing this year. And so hopefully that kind of just ends things on a high note for them as they get uh, back on order for 2020. Cause um, yeah, they really, they really, really needed this one. Yeah. I think it's going to be a nice, solid success for them i mean it's, it's not going to be anything huge we're not going to be seeing toy story 4 numbers here but we'll see pretty decent numbers and it it does fit that it's a very halloween themed movie and we are coming into the busier half of october in terms of halloween and just all that holiday stuff going on so i i think it'll see pretty solid uh weekends throughout the rest of the month and so with that we will uh, with regret, move on to Gemini Man. <laughs> and that opened at number three this week with 24.5 million. This is the Will Smith movie co-starring Will Smith. Um, that Honestly, I've probably seen this trailer 20 times. Um, like this, I remember seeing this trailer for the first time in front of Endgame, and I was like, okay, that has potential. And then I've seen the trailer 19 more times and just hated myself every single one of those times. <laughs> so I am glad to be rid of this. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Paramount is going to be glad to be rid of this. So it's sitting at about a $138 million budget with an opening weekend domestically of 20.5 million foreign, uh, about 39 million. So sitting at about 59.5 million worldwide, which is nowhere near where you want to be with a budget that large for a high concept movie. This obscure so Gemini Man is in trouble. Poor Will Smith. Yeah, it's his life is just is just up in an upheaval. Jesus. Um, but uh, yeah, so this movie uh, is very strange. Very very strange movies. Well, one movie I saw this week and I am filled with regret for seeing it. It is just a turd. It is not very good. Um, so this movie uh, is kind of in financial peril, as you mentioned there. It's not not a very good start, and only. Um, just like the one thing it does have left, maybe it has a few uh, regions left. It still has to open in Japan and Taiwan. And I believe uh, Poland is the third one it has to open in yet. And Ang Lee is obviously a Taiwanese filmmaker. So maybe uh, there's a little bit of pull there, which it can make some make some cash. But obviously that's not going to just uh, that's not going to save everything for Gemini Man. Uh, this movie is going to be a tax write off very much so for Paramount. Um and this movie is just very strange. So uh, I'm going to walk us through this one here. So Ang Lee, uh, just very decorated filmmaker, uh, Brokeback Mountain, uh, just many other great movies. And he's been he's been weirdly fascinated with technology recently um, in his movies. So Life of Pi, remember he made in 2012, which was which was a critical hit and people loved it at the time. Uh I don't know if you have watched that recently. It hasn't aged well. Uh, technology <laughs> is just, it just doesn't look well. Uh, it doesn't look good at all <laughs> after not even a decade. Uh, 
But then after that, he made uh, Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, um, which I don't think anyone saw. Uh, I know <laughs> I, should, I, I know I didn't. Um, and then after that, it's Gemini Man. And so what he's what the last two films have had in common is he's kind of he's kind of pushed what he started to do with Life of Pi, and he's been kind of working on the tech the technology side of these movies and experimenting with higher frame rates and whatnot. So uh, uh, Billy Lynn, Billy Lynn had, I believe was shot with a uh, shot in uh, 60 frames per second. And so for those that don't, that don't know, the average is 24 for movies. Uh, so just everything looks very fluid. Um, that's kind of the issue that the, the Hobbit uh, ran into when I think that was released in 48 frames per second and just no one liked it. <laughs> and it just, seemed like that was kind of the same case for uh, Billy Lynn, but like he's still really interested in trying this and kind of pushing what cinema can do. Uh, so Gemini Man, he shot in 4K 3D, uh, and, it, and it was shot in 120 frames per second. Um, <laughs> and then just for reference, there is uh, no theater in North America that has the capabilities to show that. Um, so he filmed a movie in a, with crazy technology, uh, that and and now and now no one can see it as he intended to, sh- to intended to show it to everyone, so very strange and it kind of feels like throughout the the production of this movie that Paramount was getting cold feet about this. <laughs> it seems like Ang Lee came in to the uh, to the boardroom was like, "Hey, I have this idea for this for this movie and we're gonna shoot it with all these crazy specs." And Paramount was like, "Great, go picture, go make it." Um, and then they were like looking at the budget and they were like, ah, shit, <laughs> like we can't like this is going to be a real struggle. Um, so it's really funny when you watch the movie where basically like I would say like one half of the movie is just like it's like a tourism video for for Budapest. <laughs> so they're just like there's just one scene where Will Smith um, and, the, and, and Benedict Wong uh, and just other members of the cast are just kind of hanging around outside of a Turkish bath. Um, or one of those kind of that looks like that, and they're, they're they're in robes and everything looks really nice, and they're sipping on like like Bloody Marys, and it just you're like, what is this? Like what what like where is this? What kind of movie is like what's happening here? And there's there's so, some incredible um, product placement moments where so Will Smith is talking to like a CIA um, higher up. And he's like, oh, do you want a you want a soda or a beer? And he, he has a Coke in one hand and then a Stella beer in the other hand with labels <laughs> both prominently placed at the center of the of the frame. And then later in the movie, like they have like a little I get what they're trying to do like a cute little callback uh, to that moment where he he just plops a Coke right in front of the, the same uh, CIA agent and. <sighs> It's this is done in a medium close up, so it's basically the only thing you see in the frame. And he so Will Smith places the Coke can in the middle of the frame, and then the the can is turned ever so slightly so that you see Coke just pointed right at the camera. It's incredible. Uh-huh. It's just like one of the most ballsy things of product placement I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> it kind of feels like Paramount was like, "Shit, we have a turd on our hands. Um, we need to make we need to increase our bottom line somehow." So it's just so weird because you see all these moments where there's like there's a motorcycle chase in this movie where you've seen bit, you've seen bits of it in the trailer. That's it's actually really thrilling and really incredibly filmed. Uh, it's just it's just very virtuosic and it just kind of just shows how good Ang, Ang Lee is. And then you have all these other moments where it's like 
this isn't really a movie. This is just kind of a commercial. <laughs> There's just nothing really happening. Um, so this is, it's just very odd. Gemini Man is, it feels like it was kind of doomed from the start. Um, I don't really know <laughs> what they were thinking here, but it is, it is a very, very odd kind of production uh, nightmare, if you ask me. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying about, so there are no theaters in North America that are playing it as it was designed to be shown. But on top of that, there are only 14 that are even playing it at half the frame rate at 60 frames per second in 3D. So it's just a complete miss on the technology of what you can do to create a movie versus how you can watch a movie. Um, It'd be like putting out 4K DVDs 10 years ago when people were just now getting rid of their VCRs. It just doesn't connect, and I think it's a little too early to try and jump to new technology like that. That and the fact that, I mean, people like what they're used to, so that's why we've never really switched over from 24 frames per second. I mean, they started using 24 frames back when you had to, you know, pay for actual film and it was cheaper that way. And that was about as slow as they could get it before the audience would start to notice. And that's what audiences are used to. It's hard to really switch that up. And I think Gemini Man is just another swift reminder of that. Yeah, and I really like this idea in theory. I really appreciate someone who wants to kind of kind of expand what we what we know as cinema and try new things. Um, but I just like the technology isn't quite there yet. And I mean the kind of the elephant in the room here is just the the CGI, the younger CGI uh, Will Smith, um, which looks really good in some instances. And there's just other areas which is like oh like I'm falling very far down the uncanny valley. And like, there's just like, this is just not real at all. Um, so we are definitely not there yet in terms of just replicating humans. Um, very interesting idea though. Cause I mean, the whole idea of shooting it in 4k 3d and all these frame rates is kind of to make it look hyper real. Um, so everything in the movie is basically in focus and it's, it's very interesting how it's filmed and they, he's trying to replicate this look that just movies don't aren't we just aren't used to in seeing in movies and it's it's very interesting and i kind of like that idea but yeah like i feel like we've seen this many times like we have to walk before we run is the is the old saying and i feel like angley is trying to sprint and just like falling all over his face in my opinion um it's really weird because i want to see him do he's a great filmmaker uh brokeback mountain is just in, an incredible movie and i want to see him do other things like that but yeah it's just this movie just isn't very good, and like the last, like the last uh, scene in the movie, it's just a very obvious like uh, reshoot where they just didn't have an ending, so they have to talk like they have to bring the characters all together and have them just like like laugh to each other while they're walking through through a college campus. <laughs> like that's just so weird, and, <laughs> and it's obvious like it's so obvious that it's a it's a reshoot because it's like the worst that the CGI Will Smith has looked in the entire movie. And he, it's just, it looks really, really bad. It, like from like, a, it looks like CGI from like a decade ago. And it's really bad. Um, <laughs> so it's very interesting. And, th- and this script has been kind of circulating for a while. Um, everyone's favorite uh, showrunner, David Benioff, uh, wrote, wrote this uh, script, among others. Uh, he, there's, there's a couple screenwriters on here. But and I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise was supposed to star in this movie at one point, or at least Ang Lee or... or paramount went to him about doing this um so yeah this has kind of been around for a while and yeah it landed on will smith and kind of another um 
just dud in, in a long history of duds for Will Smith. I mean, we we do love him, and we made that kind of make that joke at the top about oh, his life is terrible now. Oh, how woe is him? But he hasn't really made like a just a, a true blue hit in a very long time. I mean, he was in Aladdin early this year, which was incredibly successful. But um, people, did anyone really like the movie? I don't really know. And I guess maybe Focus a few years ago was a pretty decent movie with Margot Robbie. But other than that, it's like his last film that everyone kind of likes was Men in Black <laughs> back in what 1999 or one of the or something then. So. Yeah, it's very strange. And this, the Gemini Man is just like a culmination of just a lot of weird things that have been kind of going on in Hollywood. Um, so yeah, it's it's just it's just very very bizarre, on many levels. Would also like to point out that the uh, one of the other writers for Gemini Man is partly responsible for Shrek Forever After. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, so it is oh, quite the group of writers on that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Gemini Man, it's, it's just seemed like a mess for a while. Everything we've kind of heard about it coming into it. And I mean, even from the trailers, it just seems like they're going for a lot. And based on everything I've heard, it doesn't sound like they have really hit any of their marks. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, I guess, when you think about it at like a high level in terms of, oh, like, where's, where are movies going and everything like that. But it's not representative of any of those things. Um, Cause it's just not very good in any of those pursuits. Um, but yeah, very, just very bizarre. And I, I kind of wish Ang Lee was, uh, was, was busy doing some other project instead of stuck on this movie for so many years. It's just rough to see. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, we will uh, finish out the top five with abominable in the number four spot with 6.1 million and Downton Abbey in the number five spot with 4.9 million. Uh, we've kind of talked these movies to death at this point. This is the third and fourth week of the box office for them, respe- respectively. Um, and Downton Abbey is, again, a pretty big hit. Abominable, not so much. <laughs> and uh, I think both of them are going to stay that way. So unless you have anything else to add, we will cover some other new movies this week. I, I do not. <laughs> I'm done talking about those movies. <laughs> Um, so we will start off with a movie that I don't think this existed until a week ago. Um, this movie, it's been very clear in the limited marketing I've seen that Lionsgate has been trying to ignore this movie and write it off because they knew what they had on their hands. And that is Jexy, the movie about the evil Alexa, um, that <laughs> becomes the crazy girlfriend meme. And it pulled in a whopping $3 million domestically and is, I've heard nothing but hate for this movie. Just absolute disdain across the board. Yeah. Um, I saw the trailer for this movie. I don't know. This, this is a tough one to start. I have no idea how to talk about this movie. It's just so weird to me, but I, I saw the trailer for this movie when it came out. Um, for some reason I follow Lionsgate on YouTube. That's just like a weird thing little weird peek into my life uh there um but it's so I, I watched this trailer and god it was just like the worst thing ever like it really just made me angry and it was like why like why do i even watch movies um, it's it was just so so terrible and it was like oh this movie comes out in like a month or so and it's like oh god like this movie has stars in it like adam divine is a is a person of note like people know him um, Rose Byrne is the voice of the titular Je- Jexy 
um, I think Wanda Sykes is in there too, and Alexander Ship, and there's just there's people, actual actors in this movie, and, and man, it is it is tanking very very hard. Uh, I'm very I'm morbid curiosity. I think is going to get the better of me because I'm really interested to see just how terrible this movie is. Um, but yeah, Lionsgate really was just trying their best to hide this one, and yikes, <laughs> it's just I it's I don't even. I don't even want to think about what they're de- they're gonna to have to deal with tomorrow and Monday when they look when they go into their boardroom and kind of just look at how terrible this movie has flopped and how no one really likes it. Um, really rough, <laughs> really rough stuff for Lionsgate. Yeah, looking at residuals and returns for this is not going to be a fun task. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird too because I feel like ever since Workaholics, like Hollywood has tried to make Adam Devine into a thing. Like they've they've really tried, and he's been in so many things. Like, I think, I thought he was pretty good in in the role he had in uh, Pitch Perfect. I mean, he was kind of an extension of that Workaholics character, where he's just a very loud, brash, just kind of just goofy guy. And he's really funny in those movies. And then after that, it's like he's had a couple of Netflix movies, like that Game Over Man, and it's like When We First Met, which was like a weird uh, rom com with Alexandra Daddario that no one liked. Um, now he has this movie. Um, it's like, I don't really understand what Holly, like, obviously he's a funny guy, but it just seems like no one can really figure out how to use him correctly, just in terms of just films. I mean, he has a lot of HBO stuff uh, going on right there. I know he's in The Righteous Gemstones at the moment, and that seems to be a big hit for people who watch it. Um, but yeah, it's just very strange. This And uh, it's really weird because, like, the tagline for this movie is, like, she's the captain now, um, which is a reference to Jexy um, and it's like the cap, like the captain Phillips thing. And it's like that, that meme like stopped being funny, like in like 2015. Um, so it's just, it is just so, so bizarre. I don't, I just don't understand this movie. I can't even put it. I can't even like articulate just how weird this thing is. Cause it's just, it is, it is just so, so strange. I just don't understand why it exists at all. <laughs> yeah. And I think Adam divine is a really good supporting actor but I, he just doesn't seem his movies don't seem to connect when he's in the lead. So like Workaholics, you know, is much more of an ensemble show. Righteous Gemstones, he plays like second or third string. And I mean, I love him in that show. Pitch Perfect is kind of the same thing. I think he's kind of like Jai Courtney. They just keep throwing him to movies and are like, you, you love this guy. <laughs> and then you watch the movie and you're like, no, we don't. And then some other movie, they're a side character and makes a bunch of money. And Hollywood's like, yeah, you love this guy. And then it's just back and forth of you love this guy and no, we don't. And I think Jexy is just <laughs> another round of that going around. Yeah, it's it is just truly bizarre. It's one of the there's a few outliers that come out in the, at the end of the year where, I mean, you have all of these just great movies coming out. We're going to talk about Parasite comes out next week. And you have like the things like The Lighthouse and all these really artsy and interesting movies. And you and you juxtapose with that. You have movies like Jexy, which are just like just unabashed turds that 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 uh, other companies just trying to bury beneath all these other really good movies and then just write it off uh for their ta- end of the year taxes um so yeah it's it, there's kind of a weird thing I mean, there's a couple others coming out um arctic dogs seems like that might be one <laughs> <laughs> in a few weeks um there's always a really just terrible movie at the beginning of december that comes out i think the it's this year it's the boy two uh, it's like the Boy 2 Brahms. Remember the Boy hit movie from a few years ago? That movie's getting a sequel. And uh, Playmobil is coming out in December. 
feels like we've been talking about that movie for 10 years and it keeps getting pushed back and that's finally going to come out. Um, so yeah, there's, this is one of many movies that companies just don't want you to know about whatsoever. <laughs> they want them to go away. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine we will ever talk about or think about Jexy ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sure hope not. If that happens, then we are, that something is wrong and someone should get us help. <laughs> <laughs> And so with that, we will move on to the polar opposite of movies, which is Parasite, which is currently one of the highest rated, uh, highest reviewed movies of the year. Uh, I, I have yet to hear anything even remotely negative about Parasite. Um, this is something that has kind of been talked about for uh, the past couple months, um, and it is slowly making its limited release in the U.S. and is just... I mean, I think I think Parasite is going to be one of the bigger movies to watch come award season. Um, like it's it's made a huge splash up to this point, and I mean it literally could not be more the opposite of Jexy. Like <laughs> it it has just been a huge critical success, and I'm excited to see it as it slowly expands across the U.S. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, this movie is doing crazy business, just really, really crazy business, and it's um, limited release. And so it averaged over 125,000 in three screens, which is by far the best per screen average of the year, and it's one of the highest ever. Um, so really good stuff for this movie. And yeah, it seems like I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where we've only heard like incredible things about it. Um, I'm really happy because I've kind of avoided all talk of it, but besides that it's just really great so and that kind of seems like how we, that's like the best way to go into it where you, you you just know nothing and just get your mind blown uh so i really can't wait and this movie is coming to my area this coming week and i'm really excited to see it but and and wonderful and wonderfully uh fitting fashion uh parasite just received its first rotten review on rotten tomatoes by none other, <laughs> none other than armand white our boys yes. came back just to ruin this movie's 100. Um, so it is now sitting at a 99. Uh, not that that really matters, but it's also really fun just to see that Armand White just kind of just just he's just the party pooper once again, uh, just being the ultimate um, divergent opinion here. Uh, so basically, when that kind of thing comes up, you know this movie is probably going to be pretty great, uh, and I I just can't wait. And it's Bong Joon Ho, just one of our better filmmakers. Um, it just this movie, it's fun because I don't really know anything about it, uh, and we're and I'm gonna go into it, and it's I hope I get my mind blown, like I said earlier. So this is it's really exciting. We have that with a couple other really fun movies coming out. So this is this is really cool. This is really very 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 cool. Yeah, and it's I mean we're getting it more on the late end of the spectrum, which is usually the complete opposite, just because this is a South Korean movie. Um, so it actually has a worldwide gross of around 86 million right now. And we're just kind of coming to it towards the end because, I mean, there are a lot of hurdles in the way of foreign films in the U.S. market. But I'm glad to see that this has kind of broken through most of those and is is really getting a, a wide release for as great of a movie as it seems to be. Yeah, and it seems like this is all kind of pushing towards uh, just a very pronounced uh, awards run for this movie. Um, it kind of seems like every, everyone has said that it looks like it's probably going to win Best International Film. Uh, and it probably makes sense because normally one of like, the most popular foreign films in America end up winning those awards. 
Um, so it probably has it there, but who knows? Maybe we see this movie kind of breaks out a little bit and maybe it's a little sleeper best picture no- nomination. Uh, you never know, uh, but this is definitely a movie to watch for the weeks to, for the weeks and months to come. 100% agree. I'm excited to hear more about it. Unlike Jexy. So, <laughs> yes, no more Jexy. Uh, we do have some other streaming for the most part. Um, these two movies did have very limited theatrical releases, uh, but we'll start with El Camino. So, it's been six years since Breaking Bad ended, and this past weekend, Netflix dropped the continuation of Jesse Pinkman's story and did a Breaking Bad movie, which I was really hesitant about at first. Um, I mean, I think Breaking Bad is just one of the most consistent series of all time, uh, one of the best endings of all time. It didn't really leave much that needed answering or, or leave any threads that needed tying. So I was really nervous about a movie uh, being put into the works because normally that just means that the creator wants more money. But I am really pleased to say that it's it's really just a sincere two-hour journey with jesse pinkman Uh, you just get to dive into the character it doesn't really take the story overall in any crazy new directions which i think is really what works it still leaves that solid ending to the tv show without really tarnishing anything but it lets you just explore the characters a little bit more and kind of push them a little bit further in the span of where that story is already at um like i think it was it's just really well done uh just really stuck to its guns it, it knows what breaking bad is good at and it didn't deviate from that too much so i've seen a lot of debate over whether or not this movie was really necessary and i i would agree it probably wasn't uh, but it's here nonetheless and it's just done really well just done really sincerely so as someone and i'm going to get a lot of shit for this one but i have never seen breaking bad <laughs> so obviously i was a little apprehensive about seeing this movie so i'm curious um, if this movie kind of just stands on its own at all, or if it's kind of one of those where you kind of have to see the the show in order to enjoy it, or if it's just a really good standalone uh, character study. I don't think it stands alone very well, just because you have to know. Uh, there, there's a lot of, I mean, it, it does its fair share of exposition, but there's a lot you'd really have to have at least seen the last season of Breaking Bad. Like you could probably walk into season five of Breaking Bad, watch that, and then watch this movie and be fine. But if you're coming in completely blind, I don't think this movie really stands alone. But I also don't think this movie was really made to. Um, I, I think Netflix knew who they were targeting, um, knew who was going to watch it, and I think it was a pretty solid move for them. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting to kind of see this movie uh, just kind of just tracking it up to its release where we're kind of, this is kind of just another step in kind of like the kind of ever just melding of just content in terms of just TV and film coming together and kind of not being as um, different as they were in probably previous decades where we see now one of the best TV, TV shows ever kind of gets its own film and we're kind of just playing with the form and all senses of the world. Uh, word and kind of just it's really we're just another way of just showing how we're kind of moving just towards storytelling in general and the the lines are blurring and we don't really need films or or just these long long-winded tv shows uh it's it's very interesting kind of to see uh breaking bad play with the form in this way it's very cool to see from afar 
Yeah, it was a really well done continuation. And I think having it come six years later gives you enough time for the show to really end and also really look at where its legacy is and kind of see its impact, you know, six years later and, and coming off the heels of something like Game of Thrones. It's nice to be rewarded by a show that, you know, you're like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. And I, I just think it was a smart move. Um, they kept it pretty secret for the most part. Um, you know, this movie wasn't really announced or uh, well-known until they made it public. And I think it was just a solid move. I don't think it's, you know, going to be something that we're going to talk about forever, but it's, it's nice to have. So that is El Camino. And we'll move on to Little Monsters, which was a Hulu release that had a one-night theatrical run. And that is a zombie rom-com starring Lupita Nyong'o. And um, it's, I mean, it's a zombie movie. They're not going to really be too different from one another, but I've heard pretty positive things about it overall, mainly for the rom-com twist it kind of throws into the genre. But I mean, at the end of the day, most zombie movies are going to fall into the same traps. Yeah, I I do think this is another really cool um, kind of blending of what we know as film and kind of what these streaming services are doing with uh, just content in general. Where This is really cool uh, that a movie like this, which was probably never going to be a big hit in theaters, um, kind of it got its theatrical release and made people happy because they can say, hey, we're, we were in a movie that played in theaters. But now it's going to find its audience on Hulu and probably be just open to more people in general than it would have ever seen before. Um, obviously, this isn't the first film to do that, uh, but it's just very interesting just kind of to see Hulu kind of work in this way as well, kind of similarly to things that Netflix is working on. Um, it's just, it's kind of very cool. And it's just another way. I think we're going to probably going to see more independent movie movies do this in the years to come where they have a very, very small theatrical release window and then they move straight to just uh, to streaming and can find their audience there. It's very cool. I obviously as someone who's kind of a purist and loves to see these movies play out on, on the big screen, it is really cool to see some of these movies find an audience in more ways than they would have ever done so before. So it's very cool. Yeah. So that is everything going on at the box office and the streaming box office uh, this week. Um, it's actually a pretty packed week, just not a ton of stuff. That's really going to be super successful, super long lasting, but still pretty busy nonetheless. And next week looks to be pretty busy as well. So we've got zombie land, double tap, coming out 10 years after Zombieland. We've got Jojo Rabbit with its New York and Los Angeles releases. We've got Maleficent, <laughs> Mistress of Evil, the movie that just kind of appeared, as well as more of the Parasites expansion and the Lighthouse opening up. So it's going to be a pretty busy week, a little bit of something for everybody. And I think we'll see solid successes across the board. And I don't think we'll see anything that just runs away next week just due to the nature of what's coming out. But I think we'll see pretty decent hauls all around. Yeah, we're really getting getting into the thick of things here with all these movies releasing, and it's going to be really cool. Uh, it's it's fun. We are very much in the fall season and beginning of award season. Uh, it's uh, I, I love it when we have all these type of movies showing. You know, there, there truly is something for everybody, as you mentioned. We have a, a big-time movie getting its release, and we have a bunch of artsy-fartsy movies getting released as well for people like me. Uh, this is just – it's really cool. I can't wait. Yeah, so that is this week and a little bit of next week at the box office. 
So we will again be back here next week talking about Zombieland as well as, unfortunately, Maleficent and some of these <laughs> other smaller releases. And just remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebubblereviews.com. Thank you.